God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. We're keeping today one of the great feasts of Mary. It's the Feast of the Assumption. Uh, it's a very important to, uh, it's always important to keep the great feasts of the feasts of the church. And I think in our time it's particularly important to keep the feasts of Mary. Um, Mary, of course, is an essential figure for the Christian. She's essential for the individual Christian and she's essential for the church. She's, she's the model of the uh, individual Christian soul, the figure of the individual Christian soul, and she's the figure of the church. We all, like her, are to conceive Christ in our hearts. She conceived him in her heart before she conceived him in her womb. We're to conceive Christ in our heart and bring him forth into the world. But I think she's also especially important in our time because uh, it seems to me that the sickness of our time uh, is uh, captured by a popular song, I Did It My Way. I Did It My Way. And if we do it my way instead of God's way, we, we get ill. And what could be, the, what could be the, the antidote? What could be the medicine for that illness? Well, it, it's the spirit of Mary. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Her, 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 um, and this is a special grace that is given to her to be so receptive, so completely receptive to the will of God and to the word of God and to be supple in his hands. But that's, that's where life and light and salvation lies for us as well. This is an ancient feast. It's been celebrated since at least the third century. Uh, it is the subject of uh, great masterpieces of Christian art. And when you go home today, go on the uh, Internet if you can, and put in Titian, the great 16th century Italian painter, and his assumption of the, of the Virgin Mary. Um, Titian is famous for Titian Red. And that's one of the one of the one of the one of the paintings where you'll really see that that color. It's a it's a it's a, it's a glorious painting. This uh, feast, which is the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the Western Church and the Eastern Church, where it's a particularly beloved feast, has a different name for it. It's called the Dormition of Mary. And it's the it, both of these, the Assumption and the Dormition, they're ways of expressing the same conviction, which is that Mary does not see corruption, that she's assumed. Uh, body and soul. She's assumed bodily uh, into, into heaven. Uh, in the east, she she falls asleep and she wakes up uh, in the presence of her son. Um, when Mary is brought forward in church, very important things are brought forward which are otherwise likely to disappear. When, when, when Mary becomes sort of absent in the life of the church, and she's certainly absent in the life of many of our churches, uh, Protestantism has not been known for its devotion uh, to, to, uh, to Mary, although there are some great exceptions to that, including Martin Luther. Uh, but even the Roman Catholic churches, uh, the figure of Mary in contemporary times is somewhat in the background and maybe may, may have disappeared altogether. Her images may not be easy to be to be found in the church. What happens when she disappears is, well, the humanity of the Lord disappears. That he, was, he had a mother, that he was a human being. Right? Um, 
uh, uh, Carl Ratzinger became Pope Benedict, I think one of the great theologians of the 20th century that all Christians can look up to, said that uh, Mary is absent from a lot of contemporary theology because, because an abstraction doesn't need a mother. An abstraction doesn't need a mother. And so when the mother, the Theotokos, as she's called in the East, the mother of God, when she begins to disappear, when she's not brought forward, when she's not there in our consciousness, when we're not, when we're not celebrating her, we lose this man, Jesus, this, this particular human being who is the son of God and son of man at the same time, who grew up in a house in Nazareth and has come down to lift us up. Um, I think when Mary disappears, the dignity of women begin to disappear. And when Mary disappears, the dignity of motherhood begins to disappear. And when the dignity of women and motherhood begin to disappear, then um, what's to become of the poor men? It's very important that we that we celebrate the, these feasts. Now, some people get very nervous about this. Some of our more evangelical friends and uh, even some Anglicans get very, very nervous, but they feel that it's sort of a zero-sum game and that if attention is, played, is paid to Mary, it's taken away from Jesus. But, but the, the, what... what what makes, makes her beautiful, what makes her radiant, what makes her attractive, what in her that reaches out and calls to us and demands our attention is a reflected light. She is indeed radiant. She's indeed beautiful. And this has been said by many people and many times, but that her radiance and that her beauty is a reflect like, Mary and all the saints, they're radiant, they're beautiful, they're full of light, but it's, it's a lunar light. It's a light, that, you know, the light of the moon is, the moon doesn't have its own light. The moon is reflecting to us the light of the sun. Mary doesn't have her own light. She's reflecting to us the light of her sun. And she is ever the one who holds him out to us. In the Lady Chapel, there is a picture, a beautiful painting of the Madonna and child who's holding him out to us. She is ever the one who points to him at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. What does she say? Do what he says. And if we were to keep company with Mary, we will end up with her at the foot of the cross with St. John. And those of us who live in the Western artistic tradition find it hard, I think, to think about Mary without that beautiful statue of Michelangelo, the Pietà. And there she is. And she's, as she was, uh, beside the manger, holding him out to us, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, there as he has spent his life for the life of the world. He's died, he might live. She holds him out to us. So to pay attention to Mary is to pay attention to the one who brings us to the Savior. And it's also to pay attention to the one who responds to the grace that her son brings in a way that charts the path for us. Be it unto me according to thy will. Do what he says. 
Uh, she shows us what our human nature is capable of. By the grace of God, and everything that she does is by the grace of God, and her incredible receptivity to the message of the angel was already preceded by a special gift, a special grace of God. But by the grace of God, then, nevertheless, with, 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 with uh, um, the grace of God empowers our human will, but it doesn't overwhelm it. So by the grace of God, she's able to surrender herself completely to God and to God's purposes. And she shows us that that's possible for us. None of us are going to become the hypostatic union. None of us are going to become the only begotten son of the Father. We become the children of God adopted in him. We're given the capacity to cry, Abba, Father. But she's a mere mortal, Thomas Hopko, the great Orthodox priest, says she's a mere mortal like us. And so she shows us that by God's grace, what you have received in your baptism, you and I are able to say, be it unto me according to thy word. And our lives, like her life, can begin to become radiant, beautiful, conformed, growing up in the full stature of him who God has sent. Or as St. Paul says, your, lives, your, your life is hidden with God in Christ. The Christian religion is a very... Uh, in some ways, it's a non-spiritual religion. It's a very embodied religion. It's really about stuff. And the hope for our ultimate salvation is not that some piece of us will survive to go um, to heaven. But our hope is the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. And a new heaven and a new earth. And when Mary, Mary, Mary does shine indeed with a, with a, with a unique radiance, she's a uniquely She's uniquely close to him. But the, but the human nature that she has that shines in that way is the nature that you and I have. And when God has done and finished his saving work in us, we'll be raised up. St. Paul says it this way, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we shall all be raised. And this mortality will put on immortality, and this corruption will put on incorruption. Death, where is thy victory? Grave, where is thy sting? Right? And so we see in the feast today, in her, what we're meant for. So it's a, it is a feast that is full of hope. It's hope for the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. It's hope for holiness, Christ's likeness in this world. If we can, with her, by God's grace, say, Behold, the handmaid, the servant of the Lord, is unto me according to thy word. And then we can pray this prayer that we have in the gospel today, this song, sing this song with her. Martin Luther, you know, thought that there were two prayers that every Christian should know. One was the Our Father, and then he thought next to the Our Father, this, the, the Magnificat was the most perfect prayer of all. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
for he has had mercy on them that fear him. He hath magnified me. Holy is his name. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.